Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Well, good morning, Frontline. How are we doing in the room today? Good. All right, good. It's good to have you in the room. It's good to have you if you're joining, watching online, or listening later. Uh, how many of you have an awesome first job story? As you think back, it's like, oh man, I loved that first job, or maybe I hated that first job, and that led to an awesome story. Maybe it was a, a valiant exit, or maybe it was a giant screw-up. Uh, mine, it actually takes me back. I worked for uh, an organization called the Great Lakes Loons. So they play the West Michigan Whitecaps, if you know them. So baseball team, it's in Midland, and uh, I worked the playground. So the playground was an awful job. It sounded good when I first applied, but it's basically like, you're a glorified police officer for like six-year-olds. So I would walk around every baseball game and sort of watch the game, sort of do my job, you know, kind of back and forth, back and forth. I always wanted to be on the security team, though. Those guys looked like they had all the fun. They could go anywhere they wanted to. They got to police the real people, the real adults that were there. And so I remember uh, we had this event, and they were short security staff. It was called Lizard Fair, local radio station that said, we're going to bring in a bunch of these artists. We're going to pack out the stadium, et cetera. So at Lizard Fair, I mean, just to give you an idea, like names like Sean Kingston, Flo Rida, Boys Like Girls, like a couple big name artists that have traveled the world, done really well in the music industry. They're all here. And so I got put on security. And what they did is they rotated us. They never put us in just one spot. They kept rotating us. And so I remember there was one time when I was right in front of the dugout. I was just to the left of it. And uh, there was this moment where the section next to my section stormed the field. So I started getting excited. I was like, dude, I'm going to be on ESPN. I just know it. Somebody's going to storm. I'm just going to all out tackle. Like, give me an option. Give me an opportunity. I still remember there was one guy, he was holding his beer and he was walking down. He was like looking at me. And I I just had this probably crazy look in my eye. I was like, do it, please. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. And he goes, nah, not worth it. And they, they didn't. They stayed. So that was one spot. But then they rotated me and I was actually in the tunnel. So one thing that's fun about being on staff at this baseball stadium is you have access to everywhere you want to go. Anywhere you want to go, anywhere you're curious, you want to go, like we had the jacket, we had a badge, we, we had credentials that could get us into any place we wanted to go. So the place that I was stationed was right outside the clubhouse. So inside the clubhouse is where all of the artists were. That's where it was like their green room. That's where they would hang out. That's where they would eat food. That's where they would get ready before they would walk on stage. So my spot where they put me was right outside the door. All these people are walking back and forth. They're big security teams and entourage and social media people. I mean, so close that I could have just stuck my foot out to trip them. It's like they are right there. It was such a fun experience. It was so cool seeing them walk back and forth. But it, it reinforced this idea to me that often we as people have access to a space even if we don't have access to the person. So if you think about where I was at, I had access to the space. I could go to any room I wanted. I could go throughout the entire baseball stadium. I could, I could go anywhere I wanted, but I could not go to the people even if I wanted to. There, there were other layers involved that would prevent me from getting to them as people, but not to the spaces. This is something familiar to us, even online. 
we're, we're all familiar with going to online for information, going online for news, going online for whatever, but often we don't have access to the people on the other side of our online experience. Maybe for you, it's a hospital visit. Like when you go to the hospital, how many of you just wait hours upon hours upon hours in waiting rooms, waiting to get your 30 seconds with your doctor? It's like we're used to going to a space and not quite getting the access to the people that we are looking for. It could be true in an arena, going to a concert, a sporting event. We're used to access to the space without the people. What about this? Just one more illustration. Uh, Many of us could go to Washington, D.C. We could go through the credential process, get a pass, go into the White House. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter what door you knock on, you will not get access to who? The president. We're used to access to a space without the access to the person. What happens when that bleeds into our experience here at church? What happens when we come in maybe with the same mentality that I'll come to this space, but I know I don't actually totally get access to God. Maybe I have to go through somebody else, or maybe, maybe God doesn't always listen to me, or maybe it's only here at the space that I can have access to him. When that bleeds in to our experience of church, we actually start encountering some problems because what we expect is the result of a personal interaction with God, but only from a place in which we know he resides. It creates this giant barrier for us to actually hear from or be changed by or or be led by our heavenly father. When we come to a space expecting the same result as interacting with a person, so we get stuck. It's why a lot of people have sort of a, a nominal church attendance. It's like I come when it's convenient or I come when things break or I come when things are falling apart or when I'm struggling or when I'm bored. It's when we hit different seasons that we associate, okay, if I want to interact with God, I'm going to go back to a space. And all of us have that question that comes up. What space? Even the question that we asked earlier, what space do you go to to interact with God? We often associate our experience of him with a place, but what if God wanted more than that? What if God didn't just want a space where you could interact with him? What if he wanted to give you access to himself? Your life, your spiritual journey, your relationship with God would be so different forever if you learn to associate your interaction and your relationship with him as a person, not in a particular place. In fact, that's what his desire was since the very beginning. We're in week two of this Make Space series. Make space, right? You get it? The concept, the idea, make space. The Israelites made space for God as they were wandering through the desert after they were rescued from Egypt. And, and they built a tabernacle. God said, you want a space for me? Here's what the space needs to entail. So he gives them the specifications. He, he gives them the dimensions. He tells them this is how to build it. So this one, if you look at this in the room here, this tabernacle is actually to scale, except that we're lacking 10 feet on the length. This is how tall it would have been. This is how wide it would have been. Add 10 more feet on the front. And this would have been the tent that would be nestled right in the middle of the community of the Israelites. It could not be ignored. I mean, whether you're walking to work, you're going to a friend's house, you're watching a game, whatever it is, when you wake up in the morning, when you leave your tent, you look over and you see this. It is impossible to ignore. God wanted to be right in the middle of their space. This is what he says, Exodus 29, verse 44. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priest. Big line. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. 
He doesn't say, here's the drive-through. When you need me, go ahead, come in, come to the space, you'll get what you need, and then you leave. He goes, no, 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 I'll dwell among you. I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll come in, I'll interrupt, I'll revolve everything around your life around me. I will affect and touch everything. I want to dwell among you, me, God. I don't just want to give you stuff. I don't want you just to check the box. I want to dwell among you because you are my people. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God, says God. They will know that I'm their God because I will dwell among them. The word dwell is the same word as tabernacle. I, I, I want to reside with them. I want everything to revolve around me with them. I want, to, I want to touch and affect and change every aspect of their lives. I want to be so in the middle, I am impossible to ignore. If I just had to ask you this question, I would ask you this. What does your life revolve around? What is the thing that you always come back to? The thing that's always home base, the thing that dictates your schedule, the thing that affects your family life, the thing that orients your time or your thought life, your dreams, your money. What is the thing that your entire life revolves around that cannot be ignored? Asked a different way, what's your modern day tabernacle? What would the people around you say, man, this is, this is what they hold? This is the thing that's valuable. This is the thing that's treasured to them. You know, for so many Americans, it's the TV. So many of us, we put it up, me included, put it up right in our living room. We focus our chairs or our couches all around it. We don't want to step in front of it, especially during a big game. doesn't matter what it is. We revolve around the TV. So is it the TV or is it what's on the TV? Sports, entertainment. Movies, TV shows, Netflix, whatever it is, is this what the center of your life revolves around? Outside of that, maybe, maybe not. You go, dude, I'm way too busy for TV. I don't have that problem. Maybe it's work. Maybe everything in your life revolves around work, around your job, around getting the next thing, hitting the next tier, climbing the next rung on the ladder. Maybe everything around your life revolves around this thing called work or career or advancement or retirement. Maybe this is the home base that you keep coming back to over and over and over. Maybe it's your family. Maybe your kids dictate your life, your schedule, your availability, your thought life. Everything revolves around sports or music practices or school or driving. What is it that your life revolves around? A couple other ones quick. Sports, school, gaming, luxury, vacations. What, what is it that your life revolves around? It's everything eventually makes its way back to here. Here's what I want to show you. Inside the tabernacle, God had a very specific set of items that he wanted in the tabernacle. It's almost as if he was saying to the Israelites, you want me to, to, to have a space among you? You want me to reside here? I want to dwell here with you. And so I'm going to put stuff here to point you not to a place, but to a person, which is me. So if I walked you through what was actually inside the tabernacle, I need to show you a map. So let me show you a map. This is what the, the tabernacle would have been looked like, built like in the middle of the Israelites community. It would start on the right side. It was a gate. The line all the way around uh, the outside was a fence. 
So you could only access through the gate. When you walked right in, the first thing you would see is the brazen altar. So this altar was the place where sacrifices would be killed and then burned. So if you wanted to enter into God's presence, the sin or the shame or the guilt that we all bring, that had to be taken care of before you could go any further. Something had to die. Something had to stop breathing for you to be able to enter into the presence of God, and that thing had to be perfect. So the altar was the place that it would be, that it would be burned. It would be offered up to God. Once you're done at the altar, you would move on to the next thing, which is called the laver. The laver would be filled with water because you needed to wash. You needed to be clean, God said, if you wanted to enter into my tent. So imagine if you just slaughtered an animal, you're bloody, you're messy, you're dirty. You, the, what the, the requirement would be is to wash, to purify, to be clean because of where you were about to head into, not because of the place, but because of the person that resides there. So after you would wash, you would head into the tent. There'd be three items in that first cha- chamber. The first one would be this, it'd be a candle. It would look just like this. This candlestick would glow. It was the only light that was allowed inside the tabernacle. That was it. So it would be lit. All seven of them, they would never go out. They were fueled by oil. And so the flickering orange flame created this ambiance inside the tent. What else would you see in the tent? Across from the candlestick, you would see a table of showbread. There'd be 12 different loaves to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. It's like God is saying over and over, for every 12 tribes, right? For all 12 tribes, all my people, I am your sustenance. I'm the bread. I'm what you need to survive. So opposite of the candlestick, you would have the table of showbread. But then as you proceed forward, there's a curtain that prevents you from getting to the other side. And on, in front of that would be the altar that burns incense. So it would be this fragrant smell that would fill the entire space. And then to actually go beyond it, this would be entering into the Holy of Holies. And behind the Holy of Holies would reside the Ark of the Covenant. Within the Ark of the Covenant would be a a small cup full of manna, which was God's provision for his people. It would be the tablets that Moses had that signified the law that God actually gave his word to his people. And then it would have Aaron's staff that had budded to demonstrate, like, this is where life comes from. God's presence resided in the Holy of Holies. You see all of the imagery that led up to get to that point. Every single one of them pointed to a person, and his name was... Jesus. Every single step, every single item, everything in that tabernacle, it all revolved around Jesus. It was as if you walked into God's house and there are pictures of Jesus everywhere. God said, you want me to dwell among you? This is what that looks like. It's when Jesus comes in and he is a part and he affects everything around you impossible to ignore. If I had to summarize it or say it uh, just a little bit differently, I would say it like this. God hasn't just given you access to his house. He's given you access to himself. What the Israelites would have understood is God, God was making his way into the community to make himself available. Not just the space available, not just the church available, not not just a nice setup with nice walls or air conditioning or lights or good smells. What God was creating was a space where you and him could meet. 
It wasn't enough for God just to put a building in the middle of his community. He wanted to put himself. So I remember wrestling through this. Uh, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. I grew up going to church. And so I, I remember I would go to church day in, or not day in, week in and week out, Sundays. I'd be at youth group or children's church is what we called it growing up. I'd go on mission trips. But I remember for me, it was always about the place. As long as I was at the place, mom and dad were off my back. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? As long as I show up, that's what they want. As long as you're there and you're there on time and you don't have a bad attitude. That was my requirement. Okay, check, check, still working on number three. That was my growing up in church. As long as you're there, as long as you're at the place. Here's the problem. If you only come to a place expecting an interaction with Jesus, but you never seek that out, you never seek him out, you just come to the place, you will always come short of what you're looking for. That's why even at the beginning when I said so many people show up, maybe some of you showed up today and you're stuck. You're stuck in life. You're stuck in marriage. You're stuck in your relationship with your kids. You're stuck in your job or career. You're stuck in your purpose in life. You are stuck. And often when we get stuck, especially those who grew up in church or have a a somewhat understanding of church, what we think is, okay, once I get stuck and I can't fix it anymore, I will return to the place. I did this my entire life growing up. Things would be bad. Things wouldn't be going well, whatever. I went off to college. As long as I was at a group, right, a small group, as long as I was at a ministry, as long as I was at a church, okay, God, I did my part. Now you do yours. But the problem is if if we expect the same result as a personal interaction to only happen at an impersonal place, it'll always disappoint. That we'll never quite get to that 100% of God being able to transform and change our lives, which is what we are all actually desperate for. God, would you just meet me here? So I remember I struggled growing up. Even uh, when I was at college, I went to Grand Valley State University. And it, it was in my first year, I was being asked to like lead different parts of ministry and small groups. And I remember thinking, like, if only these people knew how dead I actually feel inside. Like how dry my soul actually is, they'd never ask me. But on the outside, I was always there. I was always there. I was usually on time. I sometimes had a good attitude. But I was there. Remember, the the day that I actually gave my life to the Lord, I, I quit making it about a place. All of a sudden, it was about a person. A pastor similar to a setting like this. He said, some of you just need your funeral interrupted. But a funeral can't be interrupted by a place. It needs to be interrupted by a person. And I remember I understood for the first time, okay, if I actually want to see change in my heart, change in my life, if I actually want to find purpose and joy and fulfillment and peace and all these other things that God provides, if I actually want to experience that, I need to yield my life not to a place but to a person. And his name is Jesus. What's funny is now here I am a decade plus away from that event and I find myself in different seasons of life, even right now, where I come with some of the same baggage that I carried before. 
Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's doubt or insecurity. Things that I was trying to figure out before I just gave up and said, okay, God, I'm just going to bring these to you. Things that I carried or I dealt with or I struggled with. What I found is here I am today still struggling with some of those same things. And I still find my heart doing the same thing. As long as I'm here, just sew up to the place. The problem I was sharing with Brian last night, one of the problems with working here is this is the same place that I work. So for some of you, maybe it's like, man, I look forward to coming to church or when I come, it's like this holy or sanctified, like different experience. For me, sometimes it's like, man, this is some of the cause of the pain. Or the frustration or the brokenness or the anger. This is the place. But this is the whole point is what God is saying to the Israelites, just like what he's saying today, is it's not about the place, it's about the person. So here I am last night. I came right over here. It's just me. So Brian and I have prayed. Brian left and it's just me. And I'm staring at this tabernacle. And and what I felt like God was saying is, David, do you want me? Or have you just settled for the space? Are you willing to actually come to me to bring your burdens, your pain, your shame, your guilt, your anger, your resentment, your frustration? Do you actually want to bring it to me? Because you can do that tonight. Last night, I wish I could say, yep, here I am, Lord, holier than thou. And I got on my knees and I prayed and it was great. I paced for 10 minutes right here. Going, God, why is it so hard for me to actually come back and bring to you all of the stuff that I feel like is broken? I have this thing, it's like I, I want to bring I want to come when I'm good. And what God was saying, and this is why he wanted to dwell in the midst of his people, is so that they would always keep coming back to him, not just when they felt like they needed him, not just when they felt like things were bad, but they would always come back to him. And so last night I remember going, man, do I want you, God? Do, do I want you in the depths of my heart where it hurts right now? Do I want you there? And and there was things in me that had to die, even last night. Okay, God, I'm just going to lay this down to you. Here's what I confess, or here's what I lay down, or here's what I release, or here's what I let go of. And, And I felt last night too, I was like, you know, we built this structure. I don't even know what it looks like on the inside. And all of a sudden, I was like, man, I I started to understand, like, the trembling that Moses might have had before entering into the presence of God. Because you look at these these big doors and big walls. Last night, man, I I walked in. I sat right in the middle. I just had instrumental music. And I, I, I brought myself back to Jesus. It wasn't just about the place. It was about the person. It was my own understanding going, I keep bringing stuff to a place or keep bringing it to a group or keep bringing it to something that lacks the person of Jesus to fix it rather than just bringing it to him himself. So I want to ask you, is there anything in your life right now that isn't going well, that isn't right, that's dying inside, that's broken, that's not good, that feels like it's falling apart, but that you have a resistance to actually bringing it to the person of Jesus? I'll be the first one to tell you there's so much freedom when we actually do that. The space will always come up short, but the person always delivers, and that person 
is Jesus. John 1, verse 14, it says this. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling is tabernacle. So this is New Testament now. This is Jesus. Jesus showed up. Jesus entered the scene. That word dwelled among us. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. It says Jesus tabernacled among us. Like he's right here. He said, you don't need a place, you need me. He he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The tabernacle was all about Jesus because Jesus is the tabernacle. Do you get it? Like this whole thing was meant to point to Jesus so that when Jesus showed up, what he said to everybody, all of his followers, all the Israelites, all the Jews, all the Gentiles, all of us, what he kept saying over and over and over and over and over again is this tabernacle, this thing that you've, you've made it about the space or maybe religion, you've made it about the rules and the laws. This whole thing revolves around me as a person. I'm the ultimate tabernacle. Like if you think about what was in the tabernacle, right? You start with the altar, the altar of sacrifice. The thing that stopped breathing to give us access to God was the perfect sacrifice and his name was Jesus. You move beyond the altar of sacrifice, you get to the water laver. That's called baptism. It's death and rebirth. You die to yourself, but you come back alive just like the resurrection of Jesus. The, the water labor long before Jesus ever entered the scene was meant to point to the baptism of Jesus and us. Then when you get inside the tabernacle, you see the candlestick. The candlestick, it's the only light that provides uh, light inside the room. It's the only light source. It's the same thing for us. It's the only way that we see what is right and wrong. It's through the eyes and perspective of Jesus. He brings light, and the light pushes out the darkness. The table of showbread, Jesus, as he has 12 loaves of bread in there to say, you know, this, this is all of my tribes, all of my people. He, he's the sustenance of them. He's the provision. He's the nutrients. We need him not just once a month, not just once a week. We need him daily. To survive. The incense is prayer. The prayers that we pray, God says, is like a fragrant offering that's received by him. That he loves to hear from his children. He wants to hear from his people. And it's fragrant. It fills the entire space when we come to him in prayer. Just like Jesus' prayer for us on the cross. And then you know the story. You remember when Jesus hung on the cross, his prayer, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It says, when he breathed his last, when he actually died, the curtain that cut him too was the curtain that separated that inner chamber from the Holy of Holies. It was as if Jesus was saying, here it is. My presence is now accessible. God is now accessible. The tabernacle that you must go through, the space is no longer a space. It's a person. If you want to meet with God, if you want to hear from God, if you want to be saved by God and spend eternity with God, you only go through one person, one tabernacle, and his name is Jesus. That's it. So here's what I just have for you today. Some of you maybe are carrying some weight or some heaviness 
or some pain or some brokenness or some addiction, something that's falling apart in your life, something that makes you feel distant from God. Some of you are carrying something so heavy and you keep coming to a place to fix it. The invitation to you today is to stop taking it to a place, but to take it to the person of Jesus. So I don't know what's heavy on your heart. I don't know what God's stirring or cultivating inside of you. But I do want you to hear this. The ultimate place that God wants to dwell is not in a building, but in the hearts of his people. God wants to dwell in you. He wants to take up a residence in you. He wants to be the center of your life, the center of your mind, the center of everything that revolves around your life. He, he wants to be the thing that cannot be moved, that cannot be ignored, that does not change. God wants to be in that spot. Exodus 29, 45, this is, we already read this. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I brought them out of Egypt. God is reminding his people, just like he's reminding us today, I rescued you from sin. I rescued you from slavery. I rescued you from bondage. I rescued you from addiction. I rescued you from loneliness. I rescued you from purposeless. I rescued you from hell. It's me. I did that for you so that I will be your God. I will be your God. That's what God says to you. I will be your God. Nothing else you need to chase. Nothing else you need to run to. Nothing else you need to build your foundation on. Nothing else you need to find security in. God says, it's me. Just find your hope and your rest and your peace and your salvation in me. So whether you've given your life to him once or a thousand times, he gives the same invitation to you again. And the invitation is this, would you just come? Would you just come? John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is calling I just want to talk to two groups of people as we kind of bring this too close today. First group is this. Maybe you've already given your life to Jesus. You've already given. You've already stopped fighting. You've sacrificed your life. You've laid it down. You've repented. You said, Jesus, you are the only way to the Father. And so I come to you and I come through you right now for my access to my heavenly Father. Maybe you've done that already. But today, kind of like me last night, is a day that you need to return back to the tent. That you say, I, I've built my life or I've built uh, a solution or I've built something without you at the center, God. And so I'm coming back. That as we make space, I'm going to make space, not in a room, not in a building, but in my heart for you to do something that only you can do. Maybe you're in the room today and you say, I need to come back right now to the father for my marriage. I need to come back to him for my kids. I need to come back to him for my job or my career or financial stability, for my health, for my well-being, for my community. I need to come back to God now and I, I've drifted or I've found that hope or security and other things and it keeps crumbling. I need to come back. Maybe today you just need to bring that back to him to lay it down at his feet and let him do in you what only he can do.
But then there's a second group that I want to talk to. And the second group is this. Maybe you've never laid down your life, that you've never traded it. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. It requires a decision. It requires you to say, I'm done fighting. I lay it down. I give up. I repent of my ways. There's no way that I can access the Father except through you, Jesus. So what I'm asking you today is that you would come into my life, that you would change me, that you would rescue me like you saved the Israelites out of Egypt, like you've saved people for generations. You've saved them from sin and shame and guilt from all of that. You've saved them. Father, would you do the same for me through the person of Jesus? Today, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you didn't plan on it. Maybe you didn't know that you were going to do that. But I I just want to give you the opportunity right now. Here's how we can do it. In today's world, we're just going to have you text because we actually want to walk with you. We want to journey with you. We want to connect with you. We want to pray with you. It's such an important decision that it can't just be left to being anonymous and then disappearing. We want to walk with you and introduce you to the person of Jesus who has changed so many of our lives because he is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only one that leads to life. So if that's you, just text it. Text dwell, 616-369-0000. It could be today. It can be in the service. It can be later. It can be watching online. It can be listening to the podcast. Let us walk with you to the person of Jesus who has changed our lives. So would you pray with me as we close? Jesus, we just come to you. Father, I just pray that you would just work in this room, that you would work in this space. I pray that you would create room in our hearts, that you you would clear things out of our heart, like clearing a living room of all the stuff that doesn't need to be there. I pray that you would just cleanse us, God, clean that out to make room for you to reside, for you to change every aspect of our lives, every aspect of our minds, every aspect of our marriage, every aspect of our kids and communities and workplaces. God, I pray that you would just clear the space in our hearts in the way that only you can so that we know you are our hope, that you are our savior, that you are our life, that we will not chase anything else but you. And I pray, God, that you would change us, not just individually, but as a people as a church, so that in every place we go, in every community, all throughout our city, all throughout our country, all throughout the world, everywhere we go, Father, I pray that we would be the tabernacle that you reside in, that as you enter, you change things simply just by us being there because you reside in us. So God, change marriages right now. Change hearts that have been cold to you. Set people free from addictions and bonds that have held them for a long time. God, set people free from anxiety and fear, from doubt and insecurity. God, penetrate this space so we might hear you, hear your voice, and come to you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.